Welcome to Psyche Magic, a podcast about waking up to the subconscious via our nocturnal dreams. I'm your host, Jordan Hale. I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Together, we'll learn to befriend the unknown and her deep well of wisdom. While aspects of this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is never meant to take the place of therapy. Welcome back to Psyche Magic. How is everyone doing? I hope you're all staying well, safe, and warm. I'm returning to the podcast after the holiday break a bit less rejuvenated than I'd hoped. I've noticed my body needing much more rest than usual and have been trying to make space for that as graciously as possible. But I will say In this quiet and dark season, my dreams have turned technicolor. As luck and fortuitous timing would have it, in today's interview, we discuss some dream exploration techniques that I'm truly looking forward to trying out myself. For this episode, I'm going to experiment with releasing a guided meditation as a separate bonus mini-sode per listener feedback so that it will be easier to search for these by title in our podcast feed whenever needed. If there are specific meditations you'd like, feel free to drop me a line or send me a voicemail. My guest today is Aaron Schrader, aka The Rebel Herbalist. Erin is a holistic nurse and herbalist, and her wisdom and joie de vivre are truly a healing balm for the spirit. Like so many of us, I spent the pandemic drawing closer to the richness of the land around me, dabbling in gardening for the first time, and regarding my daily walks in nature as highly as my need for food and shelter. I read Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer which is now a sacred text in my household. In it, she writes, quote, Even a wounded world is feeding us. Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. I choose joy over despair. Not because I have my head in the sand, but because joy is what the earth gives me daily and I must return the gift, unquote. I've learned that the land on which my home sits was originally home to the Cherokee tribe and decided to make a recurring donation to the Cherokee nation as a humble but earnest form of reparation. Chickasaw blood runs in my veins on my mother's side. I have come to understand and relate to plants and the natural world as sentient beings deserving of our respect and gratitude, something Aaron will speak about more eloquently than I ever could. During the pandemic, I felt my heart begin to break for the state of our ecosystems in the wake of climate change, 
recognizing it had been more comfortable for me to ignore and distance myself from this crisis as a dissociative method of coping, as my world in terms of my daily life and habits was collapsing in. I was simultaneously opening up to relationship and communion with the natural world around me. I was noticing the cycles and rhythms of the trees and flowers for the first time. On a macro level, the earth was also coming back to life. Eco-psychology refers to the emotional bond between humans and the earth, a relationship that intrinsically promotes not only better mental health outcomes, but is also inherently geared towards sustainability as essential to a healthy lifestyle. Study after study over the last five to 10 years have proven the positive effects of access to green space on our mental well-being in a holistic sense across all major categories of wellness. Interestingly, the field of eco-psychology makes space for dream work as well and regards elements of the natural world as their own autonomous entities within our dreams. A previous guest and fellow psychotherapist, Valerie Martin, shared an article with me called Tending the Dream is Tending the World by eco-psychologist Stephen Azenstadt. In it, he writes, quote, To develop a respectful and sustaining relationship with our dreams, we must return to a more, quote, indigenous sensibility, one that is informed by the psyche of nature an awareness that our own essential psychological spontaneities are rooted most deeply in the psyche of the natural world. We are born out of the rhythms of nature, and to ignore these rhythms is, ultimately, to deny our psychic inheritance. Unquote. This framework views dream images as alive and embodied, and believes that the dream image works on us, not the other way around. This is an interesting contrast to more individualistic methods of dream work, such as subjectivity, where each element of a dream is seen as being a part of the self. In eco-psychology, the dream world is collective. The human species does not project psyche into the world. Rather, it is a psyche of nature that ensouls human being. To tend a dream means giving these alive and natural images time and space to present themselves on their own behalf, to let them unfold and teach us what is needed. Now, without further ado, let's get into my interview with Erin Schrader. Erin Schrader, welcome to Psyche Magic. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Erin and I have kind of crossed paths on social media, just in the general kind of witchy community. And when I reached out, Erin was down. So I'm, I'm so glad that you have arrived and I'm really excited to see how this goes. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yay. Thank you for inviting me. I love your podcast and I love the dreaming and the deep so yeah, I'm really excited. Erin, <laughs> I knew I knew I could find more. I knew there were more of us. Uh, we're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I know we're, you gave me a sneak peek that we're going to get into some, some cool dream topics. Before we do, in the tradition of this podcast, I have been pulling a tarot card just to get us started. So if you're cool with that, yes. let's pull a card. Yeah. 
awesome. I'm using my Rider Waite deck, Rider Waite Smith, I should say, because Pamela Coleman Smith is the bomb. Let's see what comes up. So this is just kind of general guidance for our conversation, whatever's feeling useful. Oh, Aaron, the nine of pentacles. Oh, oh one of my favorite cards. Oh Me my too. God. I don't know yes. about you. I'm a huge, huge fan. Okay. So for the mm. listeners, the yeah. nine of pentacles is just such a gorgeous card. There's a woman draped in these really gorgeous kind of patterned red and gold robes. Um, she's tending to like a lush garden garden herbalism Aaron filled with you know grapes just very lush bountiful the nine pentacles are all around her she's holding this beautiful tropical bird just so delicately on one finger just a portrait of abundance luxury um so Aaron tell me about this card what comes up for you do you have any associations yeah I've been working with that card for years I'm dancing yeah I know we're already in the synchronicity that is so like powerful in the dream space too. So the nine of pentacles, um, has been a teacher for me about contentment. So like you do all this work in the world and then you have to take the time to digest that. Yes. The fruits of that work, you know, if we're constantly striving and, and putting all of our energy into effort, we never get to sit in the juiciness of contentment yes. for what we've strived for. And so the nine of pentacles is like, okay, like look at all the beauty that's, that's right. already around you. Look at what's here and find that, that juiciness, that contentment in this that moment. Being able to, to let that in. Yeah. I, my husband and I have a little shorthand for that process of just skipping on to the next thing and just kind of rushing through like the, you know, the achievement or the contentment of the moment. And so we call that like kind of a joy stealer. Like it's like when I get stuck in that process, it's, I can't relax into the joy of, of what I have and what I've created. And what you're talking about that I, I hadn't previously associated with this card is that it has a lot to do with kind of a gratitude practice, right? Yeah. 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 Yes, for sure. Gratitude and letting the richness of our lives actually feed us because otherwise we're always just hungry and chasing the next thing. And we're never actually living in relationship to what is here in this moment with us. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Feeding us as an herbalist, I would assume that there's a lot of imagery and guidance for you around like food, food for the body, but also food for the soul and things that are both. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, my son who's six and I had this conversation last night about a video game he wanted to play. And I said, Oh, you know, I really don't want you feeding your mind those images. And he's like, what are you talking about feeding my mind? And I said, you know, the things we look at, the stories we hear, that is nutrition. That's food for what we think about is feeding our minds. And I, I don't want you feeding your mind with that. Of course, he wasn't happy with that at all. <laughs> he's like, but I just want to do this thing. Yeah, it's so fun. Everybody's doing it. But that's not the kind of nutrition for our minds that I want to invite into his Love space. That. But yeah, there's all these different ways of finding nourishment. You know, we have spiritual nourishment, physical nourishment, emotional nourishment. Yeah. And learning how to be selective about how we're nourishing ourselves on all levels. is a practice. Beautiful. Exactly. It's something that just, we're always coming back to. It's not something that's ever like mm-hmm. done. Yeah. 
No, never. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So I'm going to put our, I'm going to put our girl nine of pentacles right here next to me and just be kind of meditating on her throughout this conversation. And we'll see what other little, little juicy, um, secrets and tidbits she has for us as we go. Let's get into dreams, girl. Tell me about, because you mentioned there are themes, there are things that have played out over and over again. So we'll start wherever you want to start and we'll just let it, we'll just let it flow. Okay. Yeah. I've been a vivid dreamer my whole life. So yeah. Dreaming has been always like a touchstone for me. I can remember periods of my life by what I was dreaming about during those periods. Um, When I was a kid, it was often tornadoes. I was having a lot of recurring tornado dreams where I was trying to get to shelter as a young person was very chaotic and there was a lot of turmoil and what a perfect image for that. Yes. Indicative of the the way my life was. Exactly. It's like, this is how this feels. Yes. It feels big and it feels intense and it feels scary. Yes. Overwhelming, destructive. And like, I can't find shelter. There was no safe place Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. from all of the chaos. So much of my life, I find my dreams are me like digesting energetic experiences. Like I go into the dreaming to digest it, to um, make sense of it or to practice other ways of yes, moving. This comes up a lot. I can try out some yes. different techniques in this context and see what feels good. Yes. I'm curious how the tornado image kind of evolved over time or did it like, did it ever start to shift? Yes. Over time, yeah. I started being inside of a structure looking at the tornado outside. Wow. Yeah. Like through a bay window, I can clearly remember an image. I was in a house, there's a big bay window and I'm watching the tornado go by the landscape, uprooting trees, but I was safe inside. So at some point I learned how to find safety and that's right. And shelter. That's exactly right. And that image reflected that and gave that back to you and validated that Mm -hmm. for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. This was in 2018. I was dreaming about bears all Mm. the time. And it was a bear, a grizzly bear and a man in my life. And the bear would be trying to attack the man in my life. And I would have to come between that man and the bear. One time I, it was my father, the bear was coming for him. And I got between my dad and the bear and I started to drum and the bear stopped chasing him and became like entranced by the drumming. Another time it was a good friend of mine. The bear was coming for him and I lured her away with a can of sardines (laughs) So the bear's a woman, like the bear's a female bear. Yes. Mm. And then I dreamed that my grandmother was behind me and the bear was coming for her. And I knew I couldn't stop the bear this time. So I stepped out of the way and I was just bracing for her to attack my grandmother. And the bear went up to my grandmother and nuzzled her chest. And my grandma stood up and put her hands on the bear. Like they were embracing each other. And then I realized what was actually happening. Like this bear was calling to the the feminine in me, this ancient feminine power (gasps) that was coming through my female line. And the women in my family had tolerated bad behavior from men for generations. I see. I see. That was, that was ancestral. There was a lineage of that. Yeah. Yes. And then I came to find out that my family comes from Switzerland, a town in Switzerland called St. Gallus. And their sort of coat of arms is a bear. And so there's this like deep ancestral memory connected to bear way back. You know, my family was there thousands of years ago. Now we're in the realm of 
the collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. This is something that I I couldn't possibly have known consciously, and yet it was there. Yeah. It was showing up in my in my dreams in this very direct way. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's happened to me several times where I've dreamed of like mythology, stories from mythology that I didn't know, and then researched it, and then found that those stories were true. The the collective is powerful and is powerfully transmitted in the dream time. Yes. Exactly. We have access to it during that time because it is unconscious. That's where it's built. The more that I learn about the collective unconscious, the more that I've actually heard people calling it the original internet, (laughs) which I think is so amazing. Like we all access to this material. And I don't know about you, but I'm obsessed with fungi and mycelium and the way that they communicate in that sort of internet-like network. And so just thinking about all living things having access to this knowledge, Mm -hmm. knowing these images. Yeah. Incredibly powerful. It's very, it's very connective too. Just reminds us how connected we are. Yes. And it makes me think of how we dream with landscapes. So there's this, you know, fungal mycorrhizal network that's holding this whole landscape together. Mm-hmm. And when we dream, depending on where we are, it's like we are tapping into that mycorrhizal network of that place. So when I dream at the beach, my dreams are very different than my dreams at home. When I dream in the mountains, my dreams are different. So it's like, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never heard anybody call that out before. Yes. There's many indigenous cultures who believe that the land was dreamed into being, you know, especially the Aborigines of Australia and New Zealand. They talk about the song of creation coming from the dream time, and it really emerged out of the dreaming of the earth. Okay. Can we go back to the bear dream for a sec? Because that image is just like hanging out with me right now. You said that you were having this kind of image play out 2018. And I'm curious, as you look back on kind of that time in your life, do you have any thoughts or insight as to like why that image was appearing for you at that time? Like why then? I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah. It was leading up to and preparing me for my parents' divorce. Wow. So they were divorced the next year after 40 some years of being married. And Bear was showing me another way of being in relationship that was not the way that my mother's 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 had been being in relationship for many generations. Yeah. So it was, it was leading up to this, this, my mother claiming her sovereignty saying no more. Yes. And it was her mother that was in the dream with me that the bear came and nuzzled. Yeah. Like I have chills. I'm speechless. (laughs) It's just, it's so humbling. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it is. Even just the language you use, like it is. Bear showed up to teach, like that's kind of personification of like this animal, this spirit is here to guide my lineage, not even just me. Mm-hmm. What a thought. Yes. It's, just, it's like so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel so grateful that I pay attention to the dreaming because. I can see how easy it would have been for me to have those dreams and just not even paid any attention to it and not allowed myself to be guided and prepared. Like there's a willingness that's required of us for the dream medicine to be medicine. Okay. There are lots of schools of thought about this because there are dream researchers who I really love and respect who say that the dream is working on us no matter what. 
right? So like whether or not we are paying attention and conscious, the dream is doing what it needs to do. And I hear that. However, in my own experience, I do Mm -hmm. find it just so enriching and powerful and humbling to try to attune my, my awareness to those messages and to try to share the wealth of the, I mean, I'm pointing to the nine of pentacles now. It's like the abundance of knowledge and spiritual connection that is available to us via our dreams. I don't know where you are with this, but it kind of reminds me of the way that I've learned to attune myself to messages from the spirit realm. So if I have a loved one who's passed and all of a sudden I'm seeing like a certain type of bird everywhere, right. And I'm having this pull towards, towards this animal, towards this messenger. And there's something in me that's saying, pay attention to this, right. I could not. And that communication would still be happening. Mm -hmm. And my loved one would still be letting me know that they're looking out for me, but how much more beautiful to open myself up to that idea and to engage with that idea just takes it to the next, the next level. Yes. I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And it also makes me think of astrology, you know, like here's where all my favorite things converge, right? Yes. It's just what happens. <laughs> you know, the, the astrological influence is happening, whether we believe it or not, whether we engage it or not, but when we attune to it and engage it, then we are active, conscious, co-creative participants yeah. in what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's not working against us where we can work in concert with it. And I think that's true of the dreaming. I think it's true of spirit um, communication. I think it's true of astrology. I think it's true of the plant world. You know, I'm sitting here with my plants. They're leaning toward me all the time. Oh. They're, they're giving me messages all the time. I can choose whether or not to open myself to that. Sure but it's happening whether I'm opening to it or not. Exactly. Yep. It's all right there for us. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we pay attention and engage, the more that it shows up. Yes. And the more we belong. So much of my work comes back to belonging because we are living this dream of exile, which is such a delusion. Yeah. When we say, yes, I belong here. These, this dream landscape is my home. This earth is my home. You know, we aren't, just a drift in our exile, we're actually rooted somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that gives us our power back. We get our power back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We get to feel the thing that all humans need to feel the most, which is that I, I belong, I matter. I'm a part of something bigger than just me. Yes. I'm seen, I'm guided. This bear is guiding my lineage. You know, what kind of, what more belonging is that than there's right a being that's not just looking out for me, but looking out for my daughter through this healing, looking out for my grandmother through this healing. Beautiful. Powerful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Extremely powerful. Are there other, I'm like itching to get into your work and herbalism because I'm very excited to talk about that. Are there other dream things though that were on your mind, things you wanted to bring up? Because your your yes. dreams are amazing and we want to hear them. Thank you. If there's more, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to share some of the frameworks for dream work that I've used over the years that have yes really unlocked the dreaming for me. The first one is my friend who's leading the Ireland pilgrimage actually taught me this cool. method. 
It's a series of questions that you ask to each of the main elements of the dream. So in the dream with my bear, I might ask these questions of bear. I might ask them of my grandmother. I might ask them. Exactly. Take each character and kind of follow this, this line of questioning. Yeah. Yes. And so I might even ask these questions of the drum. I was drumming, you know, make that a, a personified. A significant figure of the dream. Yeah. Yes. And the questions are, I am, so that the being bear, grandmother, drum, whatever would answer, I am whatever, that my purpose is, mm. so what is this, this part of me here to tell me? I like, I dislike, so answering each of those, my biggest fear is, this one's always really interesting. So mm. when I ask some aspect of myself that's coming into the dream, what, what is your biggest fear? My biggest desire is, and I want to tell the dreamer. So it's a series of seven uh, prompts. Well, uh, I love that it's seven, by the way. Yes. Like, yes, <laughs> um, just yes. But we'll write all these out. We'll put these in show notes for sure. Okay, awesome. Thank mm, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but taking each of these seven questions or seven prompts for each of the prominent characters. Yes. And letting them deeply explain themselves to me, you know. Exactly. Yes. It's a way in. Exactly. I'm very curious about something that you mentioned, which is that it sounds like when you're doing this exercise, you're kind of viewing each of these characters as an aspect of yourself. Yes. However, per our conversation earlier, you're also viewing these characters as their own sort of entities and guides, right? So it's both. It, I it Sometimes is. I think people get a little caught up in like, wait, but is it me or is it something else? And so I think that it's really important to look at it at Maybe it's both. Maybe this is an aspect of myself and who I am. And it's a sort of spiritual guidance at the same time. Yes. I really think that's true. And this might be too deep of a rabbit hole. If it is, I apologize. (laughs) We love rabbit holes. It's fine. (laughs) I really believe that it is all holographic. So everything that's happening in my experience is microcosmic of everything that's happening in the collective experience. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. So it is literally both bigger than me and me at the same time. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Like I, what is going on inside of me is a microcosm of the whole of the collective of the universe. Exactly. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Let's learn about an A-list dream. Or rather, in this case, an A-list dream researcher. Rosalind Cartwright psychologist and author who was known by her peers as Queen of Dreams, recently passed away at age 98. She started one of the first sleep and dream research labs at the University Medical Center in Chicago because she wanted to understand the dreams of divorcing women in the 70s. She later would add male subjects to her work. The impetus to this, interestingly enough, was her own sleep disturbance due to her recent divorce. Cartwright was married four times, twice to the same man, and said she felt bonded to this particular sample of women, especially during a time where divorce was not a viable option for so many. 
she believed that, quote, dreams are designed to help us maintain our self-identity, our sense of who we are, as our life circumstances change. A bad dream, like an elevated temperature, is a sign that something is wrong, unquote. My addendum would be to shift from the word wrong to imbalanced, as in an imbalance in the psyche between the conscious and unconscious. Divorce can be an intense time of personal upheaval that can result in situational depressive episodes. Given that research at the time showed that more than half of those who experienced these types of episodes recovered without specialized treatment, Cartwright wanted to see if the dreams of women who were depressed would predict whether they might fall into this category. If the dreams of those whose depression went into remission and those who required more intensive treatment differed, perhaps dreams could be used as a diagnostic tool. For example, one of these recently divorced women dreamed that she was a pencil being inserted into a pencil sharpener. The way she interpreted this dream was that she was, quote, getting sharp, as in learning to care for herself and her personal affairs on her own for the first time. She was symbolically becoming an instrument capable of attending to the daily business of life, such as balancing checkbooks and completing income tax returns. This kind of nocturnal problem-solving, Cartwright's research showed, was a positive sign towards healing. The dreams of those who remained depressed tended to be more passive and unemotional. The warning signal of stuck processing that was not evolving as it should was repetitive dreams that left the subjects feeling worn out and unhappy night after night. In these cases, Cartwright used what more modern dream researchers such as Leslie Ellis would call dreaming the dream forward which involved recognizing a disturbing dream pattern and using what Jung would call active imagination, identifying what's going wrong and shifting the dream symbols in one's imagination to stop the troublesome action and take initiative to alter the narrative towards a more helpful and empowered place. She later used this technique with success for her own nine-year-old daughter as well. So thank you to Rosalind Cartwright for utilizing your brilliant and curious mind to pave the way for those of us who believe working with dreams can be powerfully emotionally healing. May you rest in peace and power. Now, back to my interview with Aaron Schrader. I love that method. Okay. We're going to write that one out. Are there more? There's one other. This one comes from Carolyn Elliott. She's the author of Existential Kink and a few other books. I've read that. It's a great book. I recommend that all the time. Yes, it is. It's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful practice for getting into the unconscious and reclaiming the power. The shadow. Yes. The shadow, right? Exactly. That which I might not be so keen on looking at directly, but is there influencing me anyway? Yes. Yeah. And holds an incredible amount of power Mm -hmm. that we can actually harness for 
what we want to do, not just get hijacked by what the shadow is <laughs> trying to work out. Exactly. How can yeah. we work together? How can we kind of move into this more integrated, this more whole way of being? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So her method is called the alien rhyme method. Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting. So there are steps again. So I'll just run through them and I'm sure we'll put them in the show notes. Exactly. I will. Yes. The first step is to just write out the dream. This is what I was doing in 2018 during the bear sequence. Yes. I was using the alien rhyme method. And to be honest, every morning I wrote my dreams and it took like an hour to an hour and a half to do this. I was going to say there's a time commitment here. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like taking a class, like I'm taking a class in my own subconscious. Like I got to, you know, crack the books and do some work. Yes. Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote Women Who Run With The Wolf. (laughs) Who we love. Who we love. She calls the dreaming part of us, the riddle mother, that there's this, like she's teaching us in riddles. Oh my God. And so when we spend time in the dream with the riddle mother, we're basically apprenticing ourselves to her and creating relationship with this part of ourselves. So it's worth an hour a day, I think. (laughs) I agree. I completely agree. What else am I doing? Am I scrolling on Instagram, please? Exactly. Yes. This is a much uh, better investment of my time. (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) So the alien rhyme method, first you write out the dream, then you go back through the dream and you pull every noun and you write out the noun as if you're describing it to an alien who's never been to earth. Oh my God. I love this. (laughs) Yes. So you're, uh, again, it's like a doorway into your own subconscious. Like you're unlocking through the description. What is, let's say the noun is a pillow and the description to the alien being is something like a soft, fluffy place to rest my head. So it tells you about what does this mean to you, right? I need to rest my head. I need this comfort of the pillow. So the the adjectives we use to describe it tell us a lot about why our just chose that object. It's like a sort of different version of a Rorschach test. Yes, Where it's like, let's let's see what comes up for you and it'll be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you write out all the nouns in this descriptive way as if you're writing it to an alien. And then you rewrite the story using those descriptions in place of the nouns. It's very long usually, (laughs) but it's so layered and revealing. After that, you go back and look for what she calls rhyming themes, which means like things that rhyme with, is her way of saying it, but are echoes of things that are transpiring in your life. Okay. So let's say in the dream theme, you're naked in a classroom Mm -hmm. and in real life or waking life, you've been uh, worried about giving a presentation at work. Mm -hmm. So there's a rhyming there. We know, we know where this is coming from. Exactly. This is symbolic. It's indicative of something that is playing out. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that gives us clues about what the dream is trying to reveal to us by seeing where it's connected in our waking lives. And then you sum it up by ask, by writing out these prompts. This dream is telling me. And then you just write that out. Then you answer, on another level, this dream is telling me. Mm. Then you answer, the thing I don't want to let myself know that this dream is telling me. <sighs> that out. <laughs> big one. She would throw that one in there. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> she's, all, she's all about that shadow side. Like, mm, what are you not trying to see? Yes. Yes. What are you hiding from yourself that you actually know, but don't want to admit that you know? Exactly. Exactly. 
Because we always know. It's right there. It is always right there. Just pretending that it's not. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. And then the last thing, what I take from this dream is, so that's sort of like your nugget. This is my takeaway from all of this. Yes. Well, and when we were going through kind of the intricacies of the layers to the bear dream, I was wondering like, how did you get here? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, did you, were you hashing this out with a therapist for hours upon hours, but you were diligently using a method like this. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would go back to it and keep working it because I could feel things in my body sensations and reactions or reactive energies in my body that I did not understand consciously. So I had to keep coming back to it again and again. There's something here and I'm going to give myself permission to just continue this process of exploring and just being open to it. And that's the thing is that don't you think that with certain dreams, you know, we can call them like big dreams, right? Like significant, like you have that, that emotional kind of nebulous sense of, oh, there's something important here. Yes. And I don't know how I know that. I just, I just know. Yes. And I've even written that in my journal many times. This is a big dream. <laughs> All I know is that it's a big dream. Yeah. I haven't gotten into it yet, but I just know that it is. And so yeah. that's information. Mm-hmm. So yeah. cool. I can't <laughs> wait to try this out. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yeah, they're really, awesome. they're fun methods. It seems overwhelming at first, but once you do it once or twice and you see the treasure that you mine from exactly. these practices, it's becomes totally worth it. Well, and honestly, I have always been such a sort of structured learner. Like I've always had a really hard time with assignments that were kind of nebulous and like, I need a framework for study. And Mm -hmm. so I bet that a lot of listeners are going to feel the same way. Like, oh, wow. Finally, I have something kind of structured to sink my teeth into and to try out instead of just, oh, just pay attention to your dreams and see what happens. It's like, no, here's a way to really, to really try that and, and to really stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. So let's transition a little bit now. And I would love for you to talk to me and us about your work as an herbalist, right? So the rebel herbalist is your, your handle, your kind of title and teach us about just kind of how you got into this field and what you're excited about right now. Teach us a little bit about what lights you up about being an herbalist. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for that question. Yes. I'm a nurse. I was trained as a registered nurse and I did a lot of work in hospice, um, end of life care which sort of opened me to this other world. Makes sense. Yeah. I was like sitting with patients who were seeing angels right next to me. And I was you know, hearing people's dreams. The dreams of the dying are really amazing. Really? They go to beautiful places and they, mountain lakes seems to be the most common that I heard. It really? Years. Yeah. And they would see loved ones and bring that information back. Loved ones who had passed yes. or their, their divinity. You know, they would, a lot yes. of people around here see Jesus. So we would talk about talking to Jesus. Yes. So there was this opening in me and I've always been very spiritual. So it was not, it wasn't an opening as much as a deepening probably. Yes. So during that time that I was doing hospice nursing, I became um, enrolled in a program for spiritual directors which is a companioning of the spiritual life. So I learned through this two-year program how to sit with a person and listen to the movement of spirit in their life or the movement, like the deep in them. And part of that was dream interpretation too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And how the spiritual life lives in the dreams too. Incredible. So one of those weekends, we would go for retreat weekends during that program. 
one of those weekends, I was out walking the grounds of the retreat center and the woman I was with picked up a leaf from the ground and showed me the jagged edges of this leaf. And she said, don't they look like the teeth of a lion? I said, yeah, they kind of do. And she said, dent de leon, dandelion, teeth of the lion. And I said, excuse me? (laughs) Run that by me again? Yes, exactly. She's like, yeah, a lot of plants have names that hearken to what they look like or where they come from. And it just grabbed me. And, And I realized all around me were all of these plants that had deep stories and folk traditions and were companioning humans all along our evolution. And I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. And so I started to see the plants as doors into this other world of magic and the connection between humans and nature. And so that was the day it turned on in me. And then I just have been taking classes and reading books and going to schools for years now to deepen my understanding of plants. Yes. Um, And that's what really excites me about herbalism is that the plants are, they're sentient. Yes. They are wise. They want to heal us. They want to guide us. They want to be in relationship with us. They're leaning toward us all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are all these layers of ways that plants engage with us in the dreaming and using plants to have lucid dreams. Like mugwort is one that is us. Yeah. I've played around with this and it is powerful stuff. So powerful. So mugwort loves to help us engage in this uh, really vivid dreaming. Mm -hmm. Valerian helps us get deep into the dreaming. So that's just one layer. We can take the plants as medicines and the way that the plant stabilizes its ecology, wherever you find it in the ecosystem, it's going to do that same kind of stabilizing inside our bodies. Isn't that amazing? When you say that, I like want to cry. Like that's just so, (laughs) it's just so pure. It's just so beautiful. It is. It blows me away. Me too. So like you have a plant like nettles, which grows abundantly and wildly. Yes. And it is a Martian plant, which means it it carries signatures of Mars energy. It's drying, it's vitalizing. Um, It brings us a lot of that sort of willful energy, like Mars energy. So in a landscape, you'll find it in wet places and it helps to bring um, a dryness and a focus to the landscape. And it does the exact same thing in our bodies. So studying plant medicine has brought me into closer relationship with what it means to be a human and, and what it means to live close to sort of the land and it's dreaming, yeah. um, not just to heal from like UTIs and, you know, balance my blood sugar and all that, but also to like, remember the wildness in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the more of us that can embrace and trust our wildness, the better chance we have of staying as a species on this planet, which is in peril right now. I feel like we are, it's, it's not a for sure thing that humans are going to be a species that exists on the planet. Exactly. 300 years from now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the way that you talk about plants as like as partners Mm -hmm. to us and the fact that they are here to help us exist, create, restore balance Mm -hmm. and harmony in all, in all aspects. I'm looking at the nine of pentacles again, right? Like just that as kind of a portrait of what our relationship with the earth could look like, like in the most, in the most kind of beautiful and harmonious iteration 
of that, it could, it could look like the image of this card. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I, my little like sort of tagline for my business Mm -hmm. is, um, bringing people back to life, which sounds like, you know, getting energy or vitality or whatever. But what I actually mean is like bringing the thread of the web of life that is human and weaving it back into the whole web of life. This whole post-Christian, well, really post-Abrahamic tradition mentality that we are exiled from the garden. We are outside of paradise. We are here to dominate and to ensure our immortal souls, a place in eternal heaven outside of this place Mm -hmm. has been such a destructive cosmology and it has led us to being destructive species on the planet. I agree. So this idea of the nine of pentacles, we are not cast out of paradise. In fact, it is right here. All we have to do is lean into the relationships that are leaning toward us. Yes. It's simple and beautiful. Yeah, I completely agree. I believe that the earth is a paradise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is. I, oh, sorry. My brain's wanting to go in like five different directions at once. (laughs) I love the way that you kind of painted the picture of the moment when this fire that was already in you got sort of ignited, like it grew when you had the, your, your dandelion moment. And it's just really cool to think about the fact that this was something that was already there and was probably there for you ancestrally and that it got ignited and you were able to step into it more fully. I can imagine that that's just so fulfilling. Teach us about what your kind of day-to-day work looks like. Like what, what is an herbalist doing? What is she up to? What's happening? Well, two days ago, I sat in the backyard and stared like a crazy person for like two Amazing. hours. <laughs> sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah. I spend a lot of time in stillness and quiet, listening to the plants, listening to the land doing energy work with the land. Uh, This land is so full of trauma and grief because the people who came up out of this land, the Susquehannock people and the um, the Iroquois and the Kanawago, they were forcefully eradicated from this place. And yes. So there's a lot of trauma here. Like so many American landscapes. Yes. 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 So I spend a lot of time trying to help the land grieve and move its trauma. And, and I feel like that helps me heal my trauma too. Wow. Yeah. So we're, we're healing together in partnership Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out a new way to be in relationship, the land and, and my people, you know, Mm -hmm. so that I do that a lot. I make medicine. I grow plants here and wild harvest plants here um, where we live in the hills of Dover, Pennsylvania. Okay. So I spend a lot of my time doing that. Mm. I podcast um, where I just sort of muse with whatever's happening on the land yeah. at the plant. Which I've listened to it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, and I see clients and teach classes and things like that. Yeah. So spreading, and- spreading that, that knowledge, that partnership, that wisdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important for me that I have equal time in the landscape and with the plants and with humans. I like, really like that. It can't be one or the other. Like I, yes, I need to be going back to the land and nourishing that relationship as much as I am nourishing the, the human relationships yeah. and passing that on. Yeah. Yes. Or I can get really lost in the world that humans have created. Yes. Which is really delusional. 
I mean, honestly, I'm pretty critical of human (laughs) systems and what we've created. There's a guy named Paul Levy who wrote a book called Dispelling Watiko. This Algonquin word, Watiko or Wendigo, which meant it's loosely translated as he who saves the best cut of meat for himself, even when he's not hungry. I've heard this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this idea that um, it was a mind virus that the Cree people were seeing and that they were seeing in their own people, but very little. Mm-hmm. And then when the European settlers started coming, everyone was infected with this mind virus, this Watiko, this, mm-hmm. and its fullest expression is cannibalism. When it would wow. zoom to person, they become yes. cannibal. And I feel like so many of our systems that we've created come out of this Watiko mindset mm-hmm. of consumption and, and accumulation and selfishness and yeah well and also the kind of scarcity-based fear that is the root of so many of those practices and ideas like it's what we were seeing in the pandemic when everybody was hoarding resources and it got really scary yes yeah so I'm aware that Watiko is all around and and in me exactly inherited also shadow Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. But it's not in the plants. They don't, they're, they don't have that at all. It's not in the deer. It's not in the squirrels. I was going to say, what about the animals? Yeah. Not, it's not in them either. No, no, it is not. So when I'm out with them and I'm watching and I'm listening and I'm absorbing, it's like, I remember what is real. That's right. Oh, I remember what is real. Yes. Yes. I I mean, this is just such a basic example, but I think it'll be relatable. Like I find that because I'm, I'm not an herbalist yet. Maybe one day I will be because I'm <laughs> obsessed with it. But even when I just like spend time with my dog and I yeah. just like sit with her for like a long period of time, I feel like I do. I tap into that. Like, oh, I'm remembering what is real right now. Like mm-hmm. this is so refreshing. Yes. They're so uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. It's just about the heart and relationship and companionship and love and acceptance. And yeah, that is real. Yeah. All this, uh, I'm not going to go any further into that. Rabbit <laughs> hole, we could do a whole, we could do yeah. a whole series on that, but I'm very moved by this, this concept. I think it's, I think it's really powerful. Yeah. Like you said, I think it has the power to kind of reverse this destructive pattern that we're in right now. I, I, I really do. And that's, that gives me hope. Yes, me too. And the, the research that's showing that trees sleep, yes. the trees, they're, they're dreaming too. So yes, yes. <laughs> they sleep, they need rest. They, yes. they communicate with each other. They help each other. They send each other resources. Yes. It's remarkable. Yeah. They really are sentient. And they really are here to guide and help us. Mm -hmm. The way that the world shifts for us once we realize that the inanimate world is not inanimate. Yeah. And the level of responsibility that we feel when we know that we are making impacts on these beings who have consciousness, Mm -hmm. it really changes the way we move in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Erin, I am incredibly just 
energized and inspired and moved by all that you've had to say. I really, really want to thank you for being open to this and and wanting to be here. I'm so glad that I met you. I'm really, really glad you're here. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I love that you're doing this work in the world and helping people reclaim the deep parts of themselves. That is powerful medicine too. I agree. There was a message that kind of came not too long ago that said, it's okay to take the quiet whispers of your soul seriously. Yes. Oh, please take them seriously. Just want, <laughs> Yeah. I just want all of us to, to remember that. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You can, yeah. you can do that. Okay. We have to wrap it up. We're at the end of time. I would love it if you could just share a little bit about where listeners can engage with your work. What's the best way for them to do that, to follow along with you. I know they're going to want to stay in relationship with you. So how can they do that? Thank you. Yeah. And you can find me at my website, therebelherbalist.com. My podcast is there. My blog is there. Um, You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, the rebel herbalist. Yeah. I'm all over the place. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) We love to see it. You're out and about in the world too. Like I've seen you at like conferences and you know what I mean? Like you're, you're a mover and a shaker and we like that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're into that. Um, if I'm ever in Pennsylvania, I've got to come say hello. Come We love coming to Tennessee. So do you really good, 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 good. If you come to Nashville, let me know. Yeah, we vacation in the Smoky Mountains a lot. So. Oh my God. I still haven't made it there and I'm dying to go. I'm dying yes. to go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pigeon Forge is where we usually go. So it's so nice. beautiful there. Nice. I love yeah. it. This world, this world is a beautiful place. You got to get out and look at it. Go, go see it. Go walk around on it barefoot, preferably. Yes. Totally. Thank you, Erin. You're so awesome. Thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate you. Mm, thank you too. That's a wrap for this episode. Erin's dream exploration techniques are in show notes. Be sure to let us know if you end up trying them out. I'll report back as I try them as well. And for your listening pleasure, a guided meditation for connecting to the natural world is in the podcast feed as a bonus episode. Thank you again to my guest, Erin Schrader. It's so inspiring to meet such a dedicated student of life in all its forms. Thank you for teaching us to fish and empowering us to explore our own dreams with a measure of your discipline and curiosity. Do you have questions or a dream you want to share? Please drop me an email at psychemagicpodcast at gmail.com. That's psychemagic with a C podcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail via the link in show notes. I'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at psyche underscore magic. Check out my Psyche Magic playlist on Spotify. The link is in show notes. Psyche Magic was produced and recorded by me, Jordan Hale. Editing for this episode is by Misuzu Inaga. Our theme music is by Young Summer. Artwork is by Annika Murphy. Special thanks go to Daniel Higby. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website, www.psychemagicpodcast.com. Psyche Magic is available via Anchor across all podcasting platforms. 
If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and feel free to leave us a review if you're so inclined. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you with a question. If you must sleep through a third of your life, are you willing to sleep through your dreams too? Get your dream journals out, y'all. Until next time.